Thank you for downloading this podcast from BJOG. This is a podcast on the editorial in the April 2021 issue of BJOG, and my name is Patrick Chen. What is the optimum rate of caesarean section delivery? This is a question that has bedeviled many obstetricians over the last half century. The WHO had recommended that this rate should be between 10 and 15% back in the 1980s. But there has been an explosive rise in the rate of caesarean section performed around the world. In some countries, the current caesarean section rates can be in excess of 40%. What are the implications of the shift from vaginal deliveries to an abdominal approach for the reproductive health of women and the babies? One of the reasons advocated for this rise has been an increase in the incidence of caesarean section due to maternal requests alone. Begum and colleagues reported a systematic review on the incidence of caesarean section without any medical indication from different regions in the world. This systematic review also uniquely used meta-regression to adjust for the quality of primary studies in the pooling of data in order to attempt to reduce the amount of in-between study variation and also to investigate for possible explanations of the heterogeneity. The review found an astonishing huge range in the incidence of maternal requests, caesarean section as a proportion of all deliveries and also relative to all caesarean section deliveries, with the highest rate reported from Middle Eastern and East Asian countries. There was also an 11-fold increase in caesarean section due to maternal requests in upper-middle-income countries compared to either high- or low-middle-income countries. Several reasons were offered for this variation. The lack of confidence in women in the facilities or expertise in undertaking intrapartum fetal monitoring as well as in facilitating vaginal deliveries were offered as possible explanation. Another reason provided is the lack of persuasion by obstetricians to discourage the patients from choosing this decision. The accompanying mini-commentary by Hussein et al. provide the perspective from Egypt with a recently reported overall caesarean section rate of 54%, with those who are primigravida and having private deliveries being the patient groups most likely to request for such a delivery. They also highlighted the increased risk of subsequent placenta accreta with more prevalent deliveries by caesarean section. We have chosen this article for use in the BGOG Journal Club. A relevant clinical scenario, a brief description of this article and a list of the discussion points is available for this purpose and I would encourage you all to participate and contribute towards this journal club. Tadikevich, Giffen and colleagues assessed the risk of acquiring a composite set of adverse neonatal outcomes in women who are classified to be at least class 1 obese with a singleton birth at term gestation delivered by planned caesarean section compared with those who underwent a trial or labor. The data from this study showed that the neonatal outcomes were comparable between those babies delivered with a planned trial of labor and those by elective caesarean section. Although these outcomes were lower in those who had a successful vaginal delivery and higher with those who required an emergency caesarean section compared to those delivered by caesarean section electively. Therefore, provided that the trial labor was successful for this obese woman, there was no advantage to the neonate with an elective caesarean section delivery. Johnson discussed the dilemma with the choice on the mode of delivery for super-obese women. 
Although such women will benefit from a vaginal delivery, it can also be a challenge to be able to adequately monitor the progress of labor and the fetus during the interpartum period. What about the longer-term maternal and neonatal outcomes with caesarean section? A large population-based cohort study from Denmark reported a small increase in subsequent stillbirth and ectopic pregnancies. The risk of subsequent miscarriage, placenta previa, and accreta, as well as subfertility, was also shown to be higher in women delivered by caesarean section. In another systematic review published recently, the incidence of asthma and obesity in the children of these women were also shown to be increased compared to those delivered vaginally. In a separate randomized control trial, Stigby and colleagues compared single and double-layer uterine closure in women undergoing the first caesarean sections. The primary outcome of this study was the number of days with postmenstrual vaginal spotting for the first nine months after delivery as a proxy indicator for the presence of a uterine niche. The study design factored in an additional 35% increase in the prior sample size calculation in order to account for loss of follow-up and also for women who remain amenorrhate following the delivery as a result of presumably breastfeeding and a type of postnatal contraception usage. The study showed that although there was a higher incidence of uterine niche as assessed by pelvic ultrasound scan after the double-layer closure method, there was no difference in the number of days whereby patients were symptomatic with postmenstrual vaginal spotting compared to the single-layer closure. Therefore, either method of suturing the uterine defect at the time of the caesarean section is currently acceptable from the data reported in this study. From the evidence in all these articles, it remains good practice for patients to be properly counseled with regards to the advantages and disadvantages of an elective caesarean section delivery and to generate better maternal engagement in this decision-making process. I thank you for listening to this podcast. Thank you for listening to this podcast from BJOG. We have been reporting the best research in women's health since 1902. We are keen to hear your views. Tweet us at BJOG Tweets. You can find more podcasts at www.bjog.org.